The two with the three, three wing is called the host or the hostess. And they're going to be a little bit more self-assured, charming. They're going to be a flatterer, ambitious, outgoing, and a little bit more competitive because they've got that three wing side in them. I've always been in, de- in, been in denial about that. I'm not competitive. Put me in front of like Super Mario Brothers and it's like, no, <laughs> like, get out of my way. You totally are competitive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So ding, ding, ding. <laughs> You're listening to Rebel Heart Radio, hosted by nutritional therapist Cassie Knavel and professional esthetician and makeup artist Genevieve Blair. A lifestyle podcast about clean living, making money, and badass people that inspire us endlessly. We created this podcast to walk through the tough moments of life with you, inspire you to live more intentionally, and frankly, because we like to talk. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure to catch our weekly episode and subscribe to us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you have iTunes, we would be forever grateful for your review on our podcast. Let's get to our latest episode. The materials and content within this podcast are for general information and educational purposes only and are not to be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Welcome everyone back to our second episode of Hashtag Any and New Year. And we are so excited to have Jess back again today in your ear holes. And we are talking about um, the Enneagram and kind of deep diving into each type. If you haven't listened to part one, make Mm -hmm. sure you go jump over and listen to last week's episode. But this week we get to deep dive into each type. And I highly recommend if you're someone who's just learning about, maybe you've just learned your type or you know about your type and now you're kind of in a place where it's time to learn about all the rest of the people in your life um, and how to coexist with them and be in beautiful relationship and connection and all of those things. Go learn about the Enneagram in its entirety. And this is going to be a perfect place to start and kind of learn the basics of each type. And so we are just going to dive right in. It's going to so great. <laughs> have it. We're going to meet the key players of the whole shebang. So we're going to dive in because if you listen to the, the first one, like Cassie said, then you, you're all caught up with some of the basics and the lingo and like how we're going to talk about this. So we're going to I'm going to start with one. Is that cool with you guys? Yes. Is that no. cool? OK. The eight says it's OK. OK. I need permission. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you do. So we were talking about like different different Enneagram accounts or different like authors will start with different numbers based on just whatever a lot of times people will do it in reverse because the nine always gets left out or not left out but has to wait till the end but we're gonna do it the traditional way just because this is like an intro to Enneagram and I feel like it just makes sense so type one like we talked about in episode the first episode is the moral perfectionist the reformer is another term for the type one um and so we're basically going to kind of do some bullet points and then some deep dives but a lot of times the one They are principled, purposeful, they're very self-controlled types, um, and they can be perfectionistic. Again, I'm just going to put a little like caveat here before we really get into it. When you're listening to the numbers and you hear what sounds like criticism, like or something that's negative, like perfectionistic, some of you might be like, well, that's not very nice to say. Again, none of this is none of this is said with judgment. These are just true observations of both the good and the healthy and the unhealthy qualities of these numbers. 
So I just want to put that out there. I don't want to think I'm being like a meanie, a meanie head, <laughs> a poop head. That's so like, yeah. <laughs> so oh, I know I have mommy. to like clarify. Such a um, mom. Yeah. You're like, I don't I'm having a poop head or a meanie. <laughs> so anyways, back to, I, I needed to get that off my chest as a nine. Back to the ones. <laughs> they can be um, somewhat perfectionistic in their tendencies because they really feel like there is a right and a wrong way to do things, a good and a bad way. Um, and that's kind of how a lot of, oftentimes they move through the world. So their core fear is being wrong being bad, evil, corruptible, or inappropriate. Um, and their core desire is to really have integrity, to be right, virtuous, to be the good boy, girl, I'm doing air quotes here. Um, and this, again, like we said, a lot of those are not necessarily bad things, but they can deteriorate into perfectionism, which we know perfection is unattainable. And that's really something that the one has to struggle with, right? Um, Their self-image is they want to be seen as accurate, thorough, diligent, responsible, moral, correct people. They want to be just, in control, and very fair. They're very fair individuals. And uh, there's like a little anecdote about, I think, I don't know if it was something I heard on a podcast or something, but they actually typed um, inmates at a correctional facility. They wanted to see like, what numbers end up in jail the most? And I can't remember what number actually was like most heavily populated, but there was like, I think there was no ones in prison. Oh, like, interesting. In, in this subset of like prisoners. But so like a one, they just have a very strong sense of right and wrong. And um, probably any more so than most of the other numbers, they're going to be a rule follower. Um, and their weakness is resentment. And we talked about this a little bit, bit on the previous podcast, but this is anger that has really been repressed that's going to kind of really lead to continual frustration if it's not worked through. It's going to be frustration with themselves, frustration with the people around them, and it can come out with criticism. It come out in the form of criticism. And, and sometimes it's criticism, inner criticism, and sometimes it's like outer criticism. And so just be... Ones, we all have that kind of like inner critic in our mind. It's like, well, you're not doing a good job, you know, kind of like that little voice in your head. But it's like a megaphone for a one and it's constant. It's constant. Mm. Like I can turn that off, like that little voice, and I can just kind of like brush it away sometimes. But like for a one, it's just no one is harder on one than a one is on themselves. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so their core longing is to really hear that they're good. That they that's that's really what they want to hear that they're good, um, at their best they're, gosh they're I mean you're you're gonna hear me say this about every single number but like, they're all all of us at our best have so much to bring to the world it's incredible, um, and ones oh my gosh they're ethical they're so reliable, productive they can be very very wise, they're very conscientious honest orderly and self disciplined types they're like typically. A lot of ones are going to be um, like upholders within the four tendencies because they like have their standards, right? Mm-hmm. At their worst, they can be judgmental. They can be inflexible. They can be very dogmatic because, again, uh, and sometimes ones and eights can mistype a little bit um, because mm-hmm. they both kind of have these this sense of right and wrong. But ones tend their sense of right and wrong tends to be tends to be a little bit more institutional whereas like an eight just believes that the way they think 
is right and the way if you don't agree that's wrong um again these are very overarching like you know it's not always true for everybody but like that's kind of like i mean i'm nodding my head over here right like that's (laughs) the nuance right Mm -hmm. my business partner is um a one upholder Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. it's really interesting being in business with somebody like that because we are both kind of figuring something out like Amazon, like Mm -hmm. together a little bit. And it's not our full-time gig. Mm -hmm. It's, it's very much like a side hustle and that fact, but it's like high stakes, high side hustle. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And, um, well, I, I told him, I was like, before we go into business, I need you to like take this Gretchen Rubin test (laughs) and tell me what you think about. I just said, what do you, what do you think about these Enneagram typings? And it was really interesting having him come back and be like, and being like, I really resonate with the ones I'm like, okay, you're one. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, I already knew that. I just wanted you to confirm. (laughs) Yeah. And, and a lot of times in business, there's not this, there's not this moment of very few times is there good and bad. There's like, (laughs) There's like good, better, best mm-hmm. decisions. And that's really tough because I rely on his, a lot of his business sense and things that he knows. And he tends to be like, no, this is best. And I was like, is it best or is it better or is it good? <laughs> and he is, and he's just like, no, it's best. And I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. I and believe that's, you because he's a one. <laughs> yeah. And that's what, I mean, they truly do feel that there's a right and a wrong way. And that's when it can disintegrate into a little bit of controlling sometimes, like trying to control the situation. Um, and there's a little bit of anxiety there. Like those, that's just kind of like that, that shadow side of a good thing. Like they great at making decisions. Whereas like me, I'm like, please tell me what's best. Like, I don't want to make a decision. I like, I like having a one tell me what to do sometimes or an eight. Um, so yeah, that's just kind of, like I said, that, that shadow side, um, with the, the ones again, you can have a, a two wing or a nine wing. The one with a nine wing is called the idealist and they may be a little bit more cooler, a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more introverted, um, maybe more impersonal and objective. Um, whereas the, the two wing, it's called the advocate, and they are going to be a little bit more warm, more helpful, um, more fiery in their like criticism, more vocal and outspoken, action oriented and controlling. So like there's nuances. Mm-hmm. So like a one can look very different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you guys just stop me if you have questions. Um, cause otherwise I'm just going to roll through it. Man, no, you I roll right through. I think it's okay. really interesting <laughs> to, to just note too, as you kind of learn about these, if you know people's Enneagram types in your life, I almost all the ones I know are in graphic design. And I just mm. think that's so fascinating. And I know every single type can occupy every single career out there, mm-hmm. but the attention to detail and the control that they have when they own their own business and get to like mm-hmm. dictate how things are done and the standard is high is like really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. So shout out yeah. to my Enneagram one buddies who are graphic designers. You know, who graphic you are. design. I'm trying to think of like accountant, like where numbers are very black and white. Um, they may tend to be drawn to more things. Also mm-hmm. like being in a law law. Um, yeah. Like politics. Rightness. Yeah. Being on the right side. I, I love that about ones, but yeah. I'm an eight. And I'm always like, you're right. That is wrong. Right. Well, because we all value justice. Eight, nines, and ones, we're like, yes, like justice. Yes. Amazing. Uh-huh. Um, so when a one is healthy, they're actually going to move towards the, we, I'm going to say the high side. When I say the high side, it means like the healthy side. They're going to mo- take on the best characteristics of a seven. Which is kind of crazy because a one and a seven, you're like, what? what? But <laughs> a healthy one can become less 
self-critical, less critical in general, um, more self-accepting. They're going to become more enthusiastic and optimistic, and they're going to become spontaneous and fun, which is like amazing. It's really great to see a healthy one. Like, dare I say, the world. It, traveling? Does that yeah, sound traveling. Right? So, like, when a one mm. is on vacation, um, that may be like one of the times they feel like they can truly let loose, but they've planned everything already, right? Like, they mm. usually probably have their like itinerary, they've checked out everything. Like, the, they may have like a plan, but you may be able to see them truly unwind in a vacation mm. type setting. And when they're mm, unhealthy, yeah. When they're unhealthy, they're actually going to move to the like average to low side of a four. Um, and they may like start to feel indignant that like th- the expectations that they have are not being achieved by others or themselves. Um, and they can kind of turn that anger inward and they can sometimes become a little bit of like a, in a depressed state when they're unhealthy because it's like, mm-hmm. I'm trying to be perfect. And why isn't nobody else like seeing it this way? And I'm never going to be perfect because that's the growth there. Like what for ones realizing that like perfection is unattainable and mm-hmm. it's okay. Right. Um, I, and this might be out there, but the several ones that I know that when they struggle, they don't sleep. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. It's mm-hmm. probably like, there's like kind of like a racing it's mind constant. there. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Their unconscious childhood message is that it's not okay to make mistakes. Um, so <laughs> if you, me hurt. yeah, like, oh, if you're a one, <laughs> This may or may not resonate with you. It's unconscious. You may not have outwardly heard it, maybe from your parents um, or like your family and friends, but it is something that you might have internalized. Um, And Mm -hmm. the one's growth path is to really realize that doing your best is all that's required of you. And it's it's okay. It's enough. Your best is enough. And everyone else is doing their best, Mm. you know? Um, And if they can learn to lean into that and to like relax and enjoy life more, they're going to really, really show up in this world as a bright light. And mm. if you are, if you know one in your life, some things to note about your one friends, family, you know, significant others, kids, whatever, um, is what they might want you to know how to work with them. For example, is make sure that when you're in a relationship with the one, you're taking your fair share of the responsibility. Cause again, mm. fairness is key. Um, so like show up for your one, do the housework evenly or whatever it is that you're going to do. Or they might be like, they might not let you do the, the dish wash loading, the like the dishes. Because it's got to be just It's right. got to be the right way, right? <laughs> um, and it's funny because I know a lot of ones. And there's like this cliche that like a one's house is meticulous. And most of my one friends want you to know that that's not entirely true. Like there may be mm-hmm. some disorganized like organization going on in their house um and that's just as a stereotype but that might be a dead giveaway if you are trying to figure out if you're a one i think that most ones in their home it's that they know where everything is Mm, right it's it's organized to them yeah yeah yeah, it's organized to them there we go yeah Mm -hmm. um also know that a one's already really hard on themselves so like Mm. if they messed up they are beating themselves up about it um Mm -hmm. inside so when they do mess up, you don't need to be overly critical. In fact, that's probably just going to do way more damage. Reassure them often. Tell them that they're doing a good job. Um, tell them when you value their advice. Try and be as fair as and considerate as they are. Um, and also listen to their worries and concerns without trying to brush them off. 
But then also really like your work as a partner to a one or a, in relationship with the one is to help them relax when it's appropriate. <laughs> hear them, hear them, but also help them relax. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> yeah. So that's a one. Do you have any questions okay. about the one in a nutshell? I think I have a question as far as like, wings goes mm-hmm. the appropriate time to ask that question <laughs> yeah go for it so i you, when you were describing the one wing nine and then the one wing two mm-hmm. there's so many similarities between those wings can you dive into that a little bit like i i think one nine one two or because I, I i see similarities in the nine and the two themselves and so i'm like how how does one pick that wing or how do they see that wing i guess is a better way to put it and that because i know it can you know you can vacillate between the two but it's almost i mean if i was going to just really like break it down into like very like bare bones i would say the one wing one with the nine wing is going to look more like maybe an introvert Mm, whereas the one with a two wing may look more like an extrovert Oh, interesting. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's pretty true with the ones that I know who have expressed their wing to me. Right. Mm -hmm. That's really interesting. Again, it's not necessarily a box. Like, it's not like everyone's going to fit. Like, I'm a... You could have an introverted one wing, too, but it's probably more likely that they're going to go in the other Mm -hmm. direction. Interesting. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, for sure. That's super helpful. Cool. All right. The two. Yay. Woo. Yay, Jen. Are you going to feel awkward and exposed as we talk about you? I was just going to say, be gentle. Okay. <laughs> go to turtle Always. mode. Like, I've heard it all, though, at this shelf. point. I've dove into it so many times. So I'm like, let me have it. I'm ready. Always. It's so funny because nines and twos can mistype. Um, mm-hmm. But they, when you really get down to it, like, there's different reasons. So, like, I sometimes thought I was a two a lot. And mm-hmm. when it really comes down to it, I, I love people. Mm -hmm. I will help someone if they ask me. I am not going to go out of my way to like offer up help unless I'm asked. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. that is kind of a nuance. Um, But it's not because I don't even know I'm doing it. Right. Like it's, it's, it's your so default reaction yeah mm-hmm. like i don't even, I don't even know if it's, cassie's constantly being like is this yours to do i'm like you're right that's not my to do. Okay. <laughs> right uh-huh. it's your default it's how you move through the world and for me i will do it because i i don't want to say no and i don't and i want to keep the peace and i want to go along to get along but it's not like i'm like oh i really need to do this like i don't know there's just it's, it's the, a, i don't it's even think difference. about it yeah and that's because you're like you know who you are you're a two so the two is the supportive advisor and i have so many twos in my life i think they're wonderful i know some really really healthy twos um and so yeah they're just one of my favorite people besides you jenny is my friend holly and she is like one of the people that just inspires me like more Mm -hmm. than any other person in my life and so um twos the supportive advisor so twos can be very generous people, very demonstrative, and when we probably the most physically demonstrative of all the numbers in the Enneagram, meaning like huggy, touchy-feely, like lovey. Um, they can be people-pleasing and mm-hmm. possessive. Um, that's that the was kind tough of, for me. I was that's like, the, yeah, that's the underside of a two. It's funny because like my friend Holly, she is a two, and she almost like collects people. It's so, and when I told her that, she was like, I don't do that. 
and I was like, like you do do, do that. Do um, and so, but she, and it's almost like, especially like my husband, Tim, who's a five, her and Tim have this really beautiful like relationship. And I, I, mm. I just have never seen him like be so comfortable with another, like really other human being, but mm-hmm. like, it was almost a challenge to her. Cause she was like, Ooh, he's a five. Like he's, Twos like, and he's fives. not gonna, yeah, he's not gonna give me, yep. like, he's not gonna, he, I'm gonna make him like me. Like, he's gonna <laughs> like me before the end of this is over. So, and that's what it kind of, when I mean possessive, it means like when they have a relationship with you and they feel like you're not reciprocating or maybe you're like not meeting them equally or you have other relationships that are more priority, that's when that possessive possessiveness might might come into play mm-hmm. does that does i've that definitely felt that resonate? in like i guess average times in my life like dating mm-hmm. was tough i just mm-hmm. like dating was really hard for me because i was scared to get those feelings towards somebody mm-hmm. or but you were talking about twos and fives there that's an interesting dive like i'd love mm-hmm. to talk more about that because my husband's a five but it yeah. it's it makes a lot of sense that that possessiveness takes over at some point but it was hard for me to own it yeah, it is hard. Nobody wants yeah. to think of themselves that way. But mm-hmm. um, when you really start to learn how the two moves through the world, you can understand why. So, mm-hmm. for instance, the core fear of a two is being worthless, um, mm-hmm. being needy, inconsequential, dispensable, or unworthy of being loved. So <gasps> your core fe- if your core fear is to – if you're feeling unloved, you're going to retaliate by trying to, like, pull those like, people back in. I'm like right? Chris Farley in the, the gerbil. Like <laughs> – Right. Squeeze it. <laughs> so that's the two's core fear. Oh my gosh, it's I've never heard it described that way. But, sure. <laughs> but that's what it feels like sometimes. And you have to just be like, okay, relax. I will relax. love stop it. trying to squeeze people yeah. to death. <laughs> it is, it so, is. I, just, I just love you so much. <laughs> I know. And it's not, I mean, yeah, like I said, that's not necessarily in and of itself a bad thing when it can mm-hmm. be too much. And when someone is not asking for it then it can be too much, right? Put so, the triple down. Yeah. That your core desire as a two is to be loved and wanted. And this can actually deteriorate in the need to be needed. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's that like shadow side of it. Mm-hmm. The self-image, um, they want to be seen as helpful, caring, warm, nurturing, altruistic, demonstrative, considerate people. And they are. And they mm-hmm. are. And they work really hard to project that image too. Um, their weakness is pride. Um, and this really goes to more the inability or unwillingness to acknowledge their own suffering and needs. Okay. Which, so, yeah, because this was really hard for me because mm-hmm. when you add in that that side of pride, there's also that, um, I guess you could say, the worst thing somebody could ever say to me is that I'm selfish or that my action, mm-hmm. actions were selfish or that um, I'm having selfish tendencies. Um for a multitude of reasons but then it kind of feeds into that like when somebody had said something I can't remember where I first heard that about pride I had to be like I for whatever reason I read that as I can't think highly of myself at the core of like that's it's horrible to say out loud but that's what happens sometimes is that if I have something to bring to the world or I have a skill or um you know, something that I'm really good at, my first instinct is to um, not talk about it. Not like I am the worst person when it comes to promotion of myself and the things that I'm good at. And like, like if you guys notice, 
on this podcast, the only person that promotes my skin consultations is Cassie. <laughs> <laughs> and I even like think she gets uncomfortable. I, I do. do. <laughs> I'm just like, eh. <laughs> like I don't. But it's such it's a okay. knee jerk reaction for me. So when you talk about um, pride being kind of that, um, I want to. Will you describe that again? Like, what do you mean? Yeah. By pride? So it's it's not necessarily like pride. Like, ooh, like I'm the yeah. greatest. It's, it's not more. Ego. It's yeah. more prideful in the fact that you don't have needs and that mm. you like everyone else is put before you. So it's your inability or unwillingness to acknowledge your own suffering and needs. Mm-hmm. And that's the pride. So true. And it's a but it's spin. interesting. It's like blind. Mm-hmm. It's not. Oh, yeah. Per, it's yeah. Not, like I don't even it's it's this. You weird, don't. Like, yeah. You don't. You don't see it. And the growth comes when you can start to like own that mm-hmm. and start taking care of yourself <laughs> and start um it's it just that's where the growth is for you that weakness is where you can grow so and Mm -hmm. your core longing is to really hear that you're wanted and loved just for being you not for what you do for other people Mm -hmm. so like if you were unable to provide and do all the things that you do now for your friends and family would they still love you that's your question right Mm -hmm. like maybe you rattle you you deal with that in your mind like if i wasn't able to cook and clean and drive these people everywhere and do all these things would I still have value in this relationship that's been a huge point Mm -hmm. of growth for me because inadvertently I had caused I mean I started diving into this over a year ago um I had caused um those people in my life to um 100% rely on me like when I go on business trips it's like a morning moment for my family and I'm just like I'll be back relax and they're like it's weird it's like you're like the spine of the family and I was just like and that made me so sad like I was just like no like you guys thrive without me like the last time I was out of town the it was like this huge come to Jesus moment of like right before I left of like this will make me so so happy is if I can check in with you guys and you guys are like having fun everybody's needs are met and I'm not there <laughs> like I'm not providing any of that mm-hmm. you know and it, it wasn't a perfect it wasn't a perfect situation there was a lot of like learning going on while I was gone <laughs> and I honestly like I didn't know I had done that it, for for Jen I think a lot of her personal growth this last year has been realizing that a lot of the caregiving roles that she's in where everyone kind of relies solely on her to provide said care or details, you know, having kids with allergies, being the chauffeur, all of being everything for everyone. A lot of those roles that you're in, you've put yourself in mm-hmm. and made it so that other people rely on you to the point where when you're gone, it it is a it's huge hard. impedance to them for you to be gone. Yeah. So you were gone a lot more this year than normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's going to continue. Uh-huh. And one of the things that you know, I pride myself in with my family is like when I go, like it's like I'm not even. It doesn't even matter. Like it's fine. <laughs> and Actually, not my in the sense better that... off without me. They're like, fun, <laughs> no, great. no, not that we don't, not that we don't like miss each other. But I don't. You know, I Josh and I have always had this relationship where when when I'm gone, I'm not calling him every day. I'm not. You know, I don't need to debrief on everything every day. I'm literally like, hey, I'm present where I am at. And he's like, yes, you need to be present where you're at. And he gets that. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of came at 
Jen with that pretty hard <laughs> when we so were on a business trip together recently. And I was like, hey, listen, you need to be able to check out. You deserve to check out. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have to learn how to function without you there. And so a lot of that process was figuring out, like, how did we get here? Yeah. How did we get to this place yeah, and where everyone relies on me? And realizing it wasn't fair to them. Like, right. mm-hmm. like part of that yep. was just like, guys, this is kind of morbid. But if I die, what happens? like Mm -hmm. really what's gonna happen like are you guys gonna be able to function and that that that's starting to drive a lot of my growth and change is that love and care for those people in my life that I I really um desperately need them to be able to do all these things for themselves and and honestly that's what drives a lot of like my mothering is Mm -hmm. um I because my kids have so many needs I need for them to understand the, the position they're in how to advocate well, for and themselves. foster their own independence yeah mm-hmm. yeah because i need them to thrive for my own emotional well-being like <laughs> and i can't st- i cannot chris farley dribble them like and i recognize mm-hmm. that from like a very long like early early on i was like i was like no no okay this this is i my parents had this really great phrase growing up of like my job is to make sure that you are a contributing adult to society <laughs> And mm-hmm. part of that, in my opinion, is is like taking care of yourself. And so mm-hmm. it's like I realized I inadvertently had caused them to depend on me too much. And there was a lot of codependency that I didn't realize I was creating. And so there was a lot of tough love moments where I had to sit down and be like really honest about what I was the growth that I was going through, which was really hard for me. Um, but I'm glad I did it because we're, we're getting to this beautiful place where I feel like I can kind of breathe a little bit because it's been nine years. <laughs> Of living in that state. Yeah. Like, wait. Well, I was going to say a lot of those. So twos can do that. They can create dependence because, again, it's feeding their their self-worth tank. Like, yeah. these people need me. So they'll, in an unhealthy or, like, an average state, they may set up a relationship in such a way that, like, it feels good to be dependent mm-hmm. on. It feels good to be needed and for them to rely on me. But then when you get to a point where you're in growth and you realize, oh, like I, uh, this is not good. This is not good for me. This is not good for them. Mm-hmm. And the truth of the matter and something that twos need to to like hear potentially is that like when you do that for other people, you're not allowing them to show up as themselves um, mm-hmm. fully. You know what I mean? To yeah. exercise their strengths and to grow in who they are. So like a two, uh, we'll jump right into like at your best, you're loving, compassionate, very adaptable people, super nurturing, um, generous, supportive people, very hospitable. And you are very empathetic. Like you're very tuned into how people feel so much so that when a two walks into to the room, they're almost like zero in on someone who needs something. And they're like, okay, like they'll come over to you and be like, can I get you something? Do you, are you thirsty or whatever? Or like, yes. how are you feeling? <laughs> Tell me how you're feeling. Yes. Um, this is and so, twos, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Twos will often redirect the question too. So like if someone's like, you know, they're telling them the thing, they're like, how are you? And they'll be like, I'm good. How, like, they'll just redirect, redirect. Yeah. I'm good. How are you? I'm good. How are you? So will nines. Nines will do that too. Um, at their worst, again, they can become intrusive. Um like kind of like think about your neighbor who's like I don't know I'm, I'm trying to think of like an archetype an archetype that comes over and be like is everything okay I saw that you know so and so's car wasn't in the driveway do you need my help like kind of like the busybody yeah. a little bit mm-hmm. um they can be a little bit martyr like they can become indirect 
when they're kind of feeling something, they're not necessarily, they might not say it because they don't want to harm their relationship. Is passive aggressive a, a thing? For twos? They can, yeah, but you also know that like when twos are in that like area of unhealth as an eight, they can actually have a lot of like outward anger. That's There's no passiveness world. about that. Yeah, yeah. So I'm not, that's why I was asking because I was like, I'm not. I am literally like the open most open book you have ever seen. I'm practically a, ta- a tablet. Like you can't like. <laughs> There's nothing closed about what I'm feeling and. Like my kids, in some ways, I I worry that I'm like a little too open book for them. Like I had a really stressful morning, right? And a lot of it well, had a little bit to do with them. But they're kids; like they're just you yeah. know they have to go to the bathroom when you're in a hurry, you know, something like that. <laughs> and and so I was like telling Cassie, I was like deeply like repressing my eight, like ah, like in my head, my head was like freaking out, and I'm going, Jen, okay, just chill, like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and so like that's it. You can use that anger to also manipulate as a two, mm-hmm. um, because again, like you're th- these again, just the shadow side. Yeah, don't hate me for saying this. No, but there's some manipulation like, oh involved, <laughs> um, and some like we we talked about possessiveness. You can also be over flattering in some scenarios um, to like foster that connection. Mm-hmm. Some other numbers might be like, okay, like I know my hair looks good, but come on. Um, or you could be a little bit needy and, and m- very much over accommodating to mm. the point where you're probably the number on the Enneagram that's going to be stretched very thin. Mm. You're like, well, I've got to take so-and-so here. So-and-so has classes on this day. We're helping so-and-so move on Saturday. And um, there's just no time. Like, I can't take care of myself. Like, that's probably a common theme for most too. It's like, when would I take care of myself? How am I supposed to like... Go like get shower? a massage or a shower, shower or feed myself because you've was like even more basic than a massage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally, mm-hmm. you have overextended yourself for everyone else. So mm-hmm. that you can't pour from an empty cup is like the motto for a two and you need to learn it and live it. Yeah. You so first. Yes. The two <laughs> wings are the two with the one wing is the servant and they tend to be a little bit more idealistic, a little bit more reasonable and objective more like self-critical and quietly serving so again Mm. if we're looking like introverted extroverted your two with the one wing might be a little bit more of an introvert um and then the two with the three three wing is called the host or the hostess and they're going to be a little bit more self-assured charming they're going to be a flatterer ambitious outgoing and a little bit more competitive because they've got that three wing side in them i've always been in denial about that I'm not competitive. Put me in front of like Super Mario Brothers and like, no, like get out of my way. You totally are competitive. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. So ding, ding, ding. <laughs> All right. So twos, when they are healthy, they're going to go to the high side of a type four and they're going to become, because fours are really known for being kind of like self reflective and mm-hmm. like in their feelings and emotions and their needs and so twos can get there when they're healthy they're going to be more self-nurturing more emotionally aware of their own needs and they're going to begin to ex- accept and admit that they themselves selves have painful feelings and these include mm-hmm. anger sadness mm-hmm. and loneliness and that's mm-hmm. okay it's part of the human experience and mm-hmm. that's what a, any four will tell you it's okay to be sad guys it's been <laughs> wonderful to have a four as a mother <laughs> yeah she's taught me so much about myself 
Yes, exactly. So that's a great balance. And then when you're under stress, of course, you go to the average to unhealthy side of an eight, where you can suddenly become irritable, aggressive, and dominating. Um, You can blame, you can make demands, and you can try and control everyone and everything. So it's sounding oddly familiar to (laughs) some of my mothering tactics. There you go. (laughs) Like I, I think about this all motherhood the time. Motherhood is stressful. Yeah, motherhood is stressful. Mothering, but motherhood is so stressful. <laughs> like, and I and I I feel like my kids always know where they stand with me. But man, when I when I get to that stressful state, I'm pretty sure my son's a nine. Just like looking at some of his tendencies, and man, that kid is constantly like jockeying, trying to like make my life better and smoother <laughs> and easier, and like. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I get to that really intense state, I have to constantly remind him, like, buddy, this is not, you don't have to make me not feel this way. Like, I'm responsible for my own feelings and I'm working on it. And, like, <laughs> that's so funny. And actually, you know, twos do that too as kids. Um, I was just actually like learning about twos, um, like fully in depth and it's something that you're not supposed to type kids. So just right. That's going back to your earlier question. I asked her a question outside recording. (laughs) Yeah. You're not supposed to type your children and really not supposed to start diving into that till they get to about like 13 ish. I was wondering teenage years, right? Yeah. Teenage years, because what, and I guess this is just like basic psychology is from one or birth to like that age, they identify so strongly with us, their parents, mm-hmm. um, and our needs, and they're trying to please us and adapt to like what what they think we want from them. Mm-hmm. That it's really hard for them to separate the, who they are from who we are. Yeah. And then, and thirteen. This is like what every parent, most parents are like, <laughs> oh my god, I, I don't want preteen because they start to develop as individuals they start to want to be around their friends more than they want to be around you they start to have emotions and feelings that are separate from you like a lot of testing like they're testing a lot of testing yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah so, i've seen a lot of different um any of the enneagram numbers in, in my children all the around and i think it's interesting to look at it like at this moment you're exhibiting this numbers behavior at this moment you're exhibiting this numbers behavior it's more of like a place of observation at this point but yeah i i've always wondered if it's even appropriate to even like I try really hard not to do it it's so hard because it's such a big part of my life the Enneagram now that like when my kids are doing stuff I'm just like oh that's a really sweet little tendency you got there <laughs> I, I do the same thing I'm, I, I don't share it with them because I think that's the main same. thing but like yeah. I I typed bear today and I was like he's a two he's a male too because one of the things they were talking about kids as as twos you may have looked for opportunities to be like hey I did the dishes to make you happy or like hey like i'm gonna say something really really kind because i know it's gonna make my mom yeah and that's what bear does like Mm -hmm. all the time and i'm just like oh my Mm. gosh she's a two and then i'm like i don't know about cammy she's three and i'm like who are you right now i think she's an eight but yeah six-year-old girls like that too lucy i'm just like (laughs) like i have no idea where you're gonna land I mean, it also helps yeah. that, like, my son makes nests of blankets and lives in his PJs. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right? There you go. That's... Um. <laughs> A little man, my little guy, definitely exudes many, many characteristics of a nine. Aww. And this is a really interesting thing that Josh and I have talked about, because he's like, oh, that kid's a little nine. Like, what are we doing? And I was like, <laughs> there is quite a possibility that he's emulating you. Yeah. And... And, and especially in our household, like I'm a wing nine and Josh is a nine. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of that happening. 
and he definitely responds to like if if it seems like josh and i are in conflict because we fight in front of uh, our child because we don't fight we discuss you know we don't yell at each other we don't we don't do that but if there's something to work out and we're working it out in the moment like we just let it happen in front of him and then he gets to see that like everything is fine afterwards too Mm -hmm. But one of the things that happens is he will walk up to us and be like, oh, hey, mom, did you check out this dinosaur that I got? And I'm like, yeah, buddy, I've seen it 50,000 times. <laughs> like He's trying to distract, mm. which is really interesting. And so what we've tried, I don't know if this is the right parenting move, but what we've tried to do is like key in on like, hey, mommy and daddy are OK. We're doing fine. Like mm. there's nothing wrong over here. We're just talking and uh and we're just really passionate and excited about something and he's like okay and sometimes we'll pick him up and he's like in it with us and again like an argument in our house is is a a discussion Mm -hmm. and sometimes my volume goes a little higher than normal um (laughs) but i'm an eight so that it me um (laughs) but it's been really interesting to watch and we've kind of had the same conversation of like i'm sure he's gonna surprise us and we can't be typing our child but he's had so many little inclinations toward that Mm -hmm. to where i'm just like josh he's just straight up emulating you and you always trying to diffuse everything Mm -hmm. well and most Enneagram people will tell you that like you're born with the lens like you're born with who you are yeah I I believe that's true personally just in my own experience the the main reason why is if you really think that for instance nurture is the thing that decides like your number what they what you can just take two twins yeah they may grow up in the same household and experience the same trauma and totally deal with it and view it in a different way and that's something that they were just inherently that's inside of them so like when people ask like are you born with it or did you develop it really the the consistent like take on that is that you're born with it it just may take a while for it to come out like we said just because of like the psychology of growing up and being a kid it's like you start to kind of pull away from your identity um, re- in relation to your parents as you get older. Well, in my in my instance, it was kind of hard because I had a beautiful childhood. Like, really, my my parents did. They broke a lot of generational cycles on both sides of the family that were really could have been potentially like really frustrating and damaging. And they did a very in- intentional good job of my childhood, <laughs> and so. I look back on my childhood and you hear about the the childhood wounds, like the what people talk about, which I think is a very hard phrase. Like I, I like the childhood experience a little bit better, but like going into those things and then reading about them is really hard because I look, I look at like the one that describes the two and it's, you know, that you have to, uh, you have to, to do something to be loved is really kind of the childhood mm-hmm. wound or that you aren't loved unless you're helping someone or you're like, making their life better things like that and I was like you know and my mom and I have dove into the Enneagram together and I I looked at her and I was like I hope you don't feel like that you did something to me and she was like oh no we all screw up our children regardless of how easy and happy your life is it's like it's just you know at what point you know and so I really view a lot of that like um, how do you build into your type um, based off of the lens that you have at that moment in that point in your life like like my children may not develop their type until they're a little older because they they really do have a great life, you know, and it's like sometimes when you have to grow up a little quick, they you probably grow that type faster, sooner, you know, it's because yeah. we've thought about this quite a bit with our kids 
trying because we really want to understand them you know want to understand that's what we all want it's hard true (laughs) well and i to segue into like the two's unconscious childhood unconscious childhood message again you may not have actually heard this but Mm. maybe this is something that like you internalize it's not okay to have your own needs Mm -hmm. um potentially and then the growth path for a two is to take care of themselves before caring for others that's really where you're going to step into your like really season of health and how to work with a two how to relate to a two these are some some tidbits for some twos in your life um tell them specifically what you appreciate about them enjoy sharing fun times with them take a real interest in their problems even though they might try and focus the attention back on you don't let them get away from the question (laughs) i'm laughing so hard at that because there's many times where cassie's like no really (laughs) no back to you yes that's great she's a good friend she's doing you a solid Mm -hmm. um and then let them know let twos know that they're special and important to you tell them what you like Mm -hmm. about them again um and if you do need to like you said i think you mentioned this too jenny if you do need to point something out that's negative please be gentle be gentle tell them do like the the compliment sandwich Mm -hmm. Uh, tell them a few like really (laughs) affirming things first Mm -hmm. and then ease into it they can be very sensitive to criticism so i i have to point something out that was really interesting about this because marriage has a way of um pointing out your needs in a way where you have to like advocate for them a lot of times and um i don't know if this is because my husband's a five or just because of other types but it was hard for him to do that for me because he felt like Mm -hmm. he was coddling me like he was treating me like a child and i had to be like it's not it's I'm fully aware of like he was just like what do you want a gold star and I was like what if I want a gold star like (laughs) is that wrong that I want a gold star yeah (laughs) like and I think that's important to know that there's if, if you have a two in your life that you have to get a little bit comfortable with being soft for a two like that that was hard for my husband because he didn't grow up with any twos in his life anywhere I don't think he even had any friends that were twos and so and he's the youngest and so he's not like he had a younger sibling to practice that softness with Mm -hmm. and so it's okay to be soft with the two it's okay to treat them like that and twos you are not a child for asking or being or knowing that a gold star is okay you know a little softness goes a long way. It really does. There you go. Oh, my twos. Okay, <laughs> we're only on two and we have like 45 minutes. 45 minutes. It's okay. It's okay. okay. We can do this. We can do this. All right. I'm going to put my, we're just going to give them the information here. So, well, and the, like, it's more fun when we have people here that are like actually the numbers. We can like dive into a lot of that stuff too. But I don't think, we don't have three through seven here so let's just rock and roll we'll just go straight through okay. three through seven sorry guys love right. you you can have your own commentary in your head okay <laughs> okay so three is a successful achiever and threes are going to be very adaptable they're going to be the typical like you know excelling in a lot of different things that they try they're going to be very driven um and image comp on image conscious as well so three's core fears are of failing being incompetent inefficient exposed worthless or unable to appear successful um their core desire is to be valuable admired and respected which is 
again, not a bad thing, but this can really deteriorate into chasing after success. Mm -hmm. And I see this, I used to think I was a three. um, And Cassie, Cassie Joy is a three. And I was like, I just don't have the same work ethic as her because for her, it's almost like there's, what's the next thing? Like, what's the next thing I can do? Like we wrote a book, it was successful. It's on the number one on the Amazon prime list. And it's amazing. And it's like, okay, what's next? Like what's next for me? I'm like, oh my God, I want to go never work again. If I write an Amazon prime <laughs> bestseller or whatever. You're like, oh, I can go, I yeah. can relax now. I can right? go relax now. Like, cool. I've, I've made it. So like that, that is what it can deteriorate into is that it's almost like never stop and appreciate what you've done and it's on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. So um, the self image is that they, they want to appear successful, efficient, competent, focused and productive. Um, and they are, they, they usually really are. Um, but their core weakness is deceit. And this is not like deceit as how you think of it. It's more, it's that they're deceiving themselves into believing that they are only the image that they present to others through their success and their achievement. I call it the ostrich. Yeah. And they're kind of, they're, we talk about them being in the heart triad, but they're the one who's kind of like really uh, repressing those feelings a lot um, because they're, they're kind of like chameleons. It's like they walk into a room and they're like, they're like the twos. They walk into a room and they can sense a lot of things, but it's for them, it's more, who do I need to be in this situation? How do I need to fix myself to be perceived um, as all these things successful and to be like a leader and to be like fun or whatever it is they need to be if they need to be more reserved to be like respected they will if they need to be outgoing they will they're very adaptable um and their core longing is to hear that they're loved and valued for being themselves not achieving that love does that make sense Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. okay it's a little bit of a nuance between the two and the three as well yeah um at their best they're very optimistic they're self-affirming they're industrious they're go-getters they don't need you to handhold them they're like you give them a task and they're like completed it in like two seconds self-propelled propelled they're efficient energetic very goal-oriented people and they're really good team builders too they're very good at leading um at their worst they can be deceptive they can be a little self-promoting they can be pretentious vain superficial exploitative um overly competitive um you know i mean i think there is such a thing i'm competitive but i know it can be taken to some really unhealthy levels and threes know that too and they can also be um workaholics uh, i go to three in times of health which is funny because i'm like when i'm healthy i'm doing all these things but i have to be very careful because it can get Cassie, you know this because we're in a mastermind to get together, but like it can be very unhealthy. So it's like too much of a good thing there. Um, threes with a two wing are called the stars and they're warmer. They're much more encouraging. They're very sociable and popular and they enjoy being the center of attention. And they're very like seductive people, meaning more like they can really draw people to them and mm. they can really Magnets. lead. Yeah, they're magnets. They're attractors. Um, threes with a four wing, they're called the professional. And so they're going to be a little bit more fo- focused on their work, kind of more head down in doing the work. Um, they're going to be more introspective, a little bit more sensitive and artistic, maybe more imaginative and slightly, uh, maybe a little bit more pretentious. So if I was going to do introvert, extrovert, three with a two wing would be more extroverted a little bit. And three with a four wing might be a little bit more introverted. Mm. 
So when a three is healthy, they actually move to the high side of type six. So this is in that three, nine, six triad. Um, and they can become much more cooperative, more committed to others, um, more aware of their feelings, and they can start revealing more who they are behind those masks that they've created. Um, sometimes it's really hard. It's like hard for a three to know who they really are too, because they've created so many personas depending on the scenario. It's hard for a nine to know who they are because they're merging with other people to go along, to get along. So there's a nuance there too. Mm. Um, when they're stressed, they actually move to the unhealthy side of a nine. And so these driven threes who are like going, 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 going can suddenly become really disengaged and apathetic. They're like, on a Netflix binger for like weeks and weeks or something after they've done, they worked really, really hard um, and they can neglect themselves and possibly numb out again, like watching TV, playing video games, shopping, online shopping or eating, like all these things that can be used as like kind of like a numbing um, thing that is kind of like a nine's default, they will move to. Um, their unconscious childhood message is that it's not okay to have your own feelings and identity and their growth path is really when they learn to be more genuine and authentic and less concerned with just looking successful. When they're showing up more as who they are in all the scenarios. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you're working with a three, some things you might want to know is they like to hear that, that you like being around them. Most people do. Um, they, they do want to hear that you're proud of them and their accomplishments, but they also want to know that that's not the only thing you love about them. So maybe when you're talking to a three, like, yeah, it was great. I'm super proud of you, but I also love how caring you are or how like hard, or I'm trying to think of something that's not tied to achieve, achieving, um, can you guys throw out some stuff? For, for me, I, well, I'm my, very tied to achievement. Well, my dad's a three. And mm-hmm. um, honestly, I think some of the best things that he can hear is just um, I've told him that I appreciate how warm he is mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. kind of more about his characteristics, not the things yes. that cause like, you know, not the after effect of that warmness. Mm-hmm. Um, because I started to be a little more conscious of this because. I mean, I've watched my dad go through some really intensely stressful times in the last 15 years or so, Um, especially now that I understand a three and watching Mm -hmm. um, how the achievement for him has been very roller coaster. And he's he's in an executive position right now. And it's been interesting um, helping him understand his team. And Mm -hmm. because it's become it's really interesting watching him have these achievement moments, you know, like right now he's having this achievement of, um, you know, we will achieve the the numbers and that is going to be through the team and so I must understand my team and it, it's it's really interesting watching him do that and then come home because he doesn't he's, he's gone during the week and when he comes home he like checks the f out he like <laughs> super into sports he gets into his sports and I'm like and I tell him I, I was like dad you have to have those moments and that's okay because you need to be able to like check out for a second but it's about making sure that it's not like literally the entire weekend like you know and so for him it was breathing in that life of like 
it's okay to check out. <laughs> it's okay. But don't go crazy. Yeah, don't go crazy. I'm still going <laughs> to pop in the room and we're going to have a conversation about business. That's just how it is. I'm going to pull you out of it. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. And another thing, and I've seen this with like with Cassie, who I, I did some work for, and she's my mentor with Beauty Counter, but um, they don't like to be interrupted while they're working because usually they're like... <laughs> so true. Like, I'm doing this thing. Like, please don't interrupt I'm me. I'm in the zone. It's really important. Yeah. yeah. Um, when you're giving them feedback... Be honest. They want you to be honest, but don't be overly critical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also something you can do for the threes is just they're usually like moving and shaking and going and doing is something that you can do is to help them is just keep the surroundings as harmonious and peaceful as possible um, because they're usually not that's not usually what they're looking to create. And sometimes you can see a three is just kind of like worked up in their environment. It's like moving, shaking. There's music on. There's like things getting done he totally paces when he's on the phone (laughs) right so just help them by keeping them grounded a little bit Mm. um so that's three any questions about three i love threes (laughs) yeah threes are the best no i love that you're end capping like how to work with and or love each type well Mm -hmm. and i'm like taking my own notes over here (laughs) because I think a lot of the the work that we do to to learn about the Enneagram and all these other other types, I think the overarching message has to be one of like acceptance and understanding and seeing all of those other types and and not just being like, oh, you know, oh, that person, ugh, she is such an eight. Like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> But being, how can I show up yeah. better for this other person? Mm-hmm. And and that was one of my favorite parts about learning about each type was I feel like I show up better for those people mm-hmm. in my life and or create healthier boundaries with them too. So there's a flip side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but knowing them helps me see, you know, why they do what mm-hmm. they do and, mm-hmm. and that advice on how to love them well it became of deep importance to me when it got to the eight and it was like, this is what an eight needs you to know. And we'll get into that with the eight. I'm not going to go in depth with that, mm-hmm. but I, I just love whenever I hear those things. Cause I feel like they're so, they're always such like a nice little bite-sized piece to say like, Oh wow. Okay. That's something I can know about this person and really be able to show up better for them. So I love that you're end capping every type with that. Totally. And I use a lot of this like in my coaching with my with my team and I use it with my relationship with Tim. Like it just makes everything so much better when I mm-hmm. can give a little when I, where like it's due and just connect. It's all about connecting with someone better. Yep. Um, yep. So, yeah. OK, fours, the romantic individualist. The romantic individualist is going to be a lot more expressive. Sometimes they can be seen as dramatic. They can be seen as self-absorbed um, and temperamental, like kind of like hot and cold. You're like, whoa. But they're very exciting people, usually um, very passionate people. Um, their fear is being inadequate, emotionally cut off, plain mundane, defective, flawed, or being without significance. So we mentioned that like they feel like they're missing some that thing that someone else that everyone else has they don't have it yet they're trying to fulfill that like fear by trying to be this unique person so like they a lot of times um might be drawn towards the arts or spiritual practices like yoga that are like non-traditional in a way or like reiki or you know things of that nature um they 
and this is very stereotypical of course not every four is going to do that do those things but like maybe they work in an art gallery or something of that that nature um there was a story that like if you walk into a Whole Foods and you notice that the lighting is perfect and the apples are like stacked just right and they're so red and like everything is beautiful like the ambiance in a Whole Foods the joke is that a four probably designed it because they're very interested in the experience the emotional mm. experience of a place they're great party throwers great like you know I don't know they're just really interested in like the whole experience of something um, their desire is to be unique, special, and their authentic self. And while that's all great, it can deteriorate into some self-indulgent tendencies, like very in their feelings. If, they, if anyone's in their feelings, it's it's probably going to be a four. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know that it's great. It's great to feel feelings. I tell my kids all the time, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to feel this way. Um, but maybe where a four takes that too far is that like we just kind of get stuck, right? Um, and so their self-image, they want to be seen that they're deep, intellectual, emotional, accomplished, tasteful. Um, they long for beauty and that they have a good aesthetic. Um, their weakness is envy. And it's not what you think, again, as always. It's more feeling that something is fundamentally missing in them. And that envy leads them to feel that others possess everything that they're looking for. Um, they're longing for what's missing, but they, they kind of miss the blessings in their own lives. Um, and their core longing again is to, to be seen and loved for exactly who they are and as special and unique individuals. So that's a four in a nutshell at their best. They're going to be authentic, warm, compassionate, introspective, very expressive people, creative and supportive and very refined at their worst. They can become withdrawn. They can have exaggerated moods. Um, They can become depressed, self-pitying, moralistic, self-absorbed, stubborn, and possessive. And there's also kind of like a little thread with fours that like they don't really call it depressed. They call it melancholy. And they kind of embrace that, that melancholy where it's like it's a rainy day and I feel sad. And they're like kind of happy and content to like snuggle up on the couch and just be sad and listen to sad music. And it's not a problem for them. That's like this is okay. Uh, whereas other numbers might be like, I don't want to feel this way. Let's go do something fun or like, let's get out of the house. <laughs> so that is kind of like a, a little four nugget there. Um, I feel like the fours in my life, I, I only have two fours that I even know. Um, but I feel like those are the ones, you know, eights feel everything with a lot of intensity. Mm-hmm. And even if we're trying to avoid our feelings, like, the darkness is real mm-hmm. <laughs> in an eight. Um, and one of the things I've noticed is that when I'm in that place of melancholy personally for me or like activating the dark side of myself, which again is not always a bad thing, that shadow side. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I'm having a bad day, like I can not commiserate, but just be in community with a four mm-hmm. and they're not trying to make me feel better. And I don't want anyone to make me feel better. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just, I'm in the feelings, I'm feeling the feelings. I'm not used to having to feel the feelings and so the fact that they're even there is already like disrupting (laughs) and so you know like my friend Heather is a four and I feel like if I'm having a bad day and it's like this rainy melancholy we're listening to sad music like she just is just she's like yeah that sounds she's like here's a great playlist we're doing yeah she's like I made you a mixtape for your sadness (laughs) no for real um and I I think one of the things that makes me so like have a big heart for fours 
and understanding them better is that as a female eight, I often feel incredibly misunderstood. And I feel like a lot of fours probably Mm -hmm. feel that way too, because it's hard to read a four. It just is. And so I personally feel like I have a lot to learn from being in relationship with fours specifically Mm -hmm. as, as an eight. Um, and them having that like direct access to those deep internal emotions and me being like, where are those? I don't, what are, what are feelings? What are are feelings? I don't don't have feelings. Weird. Um, has been, it's been a a huge point of growth for me and not always a comfortable one, Mm -hmm. but a very necessary one. Absolutely. And when we look at the wings, um, they're varying levels of fours, just like there are with every other number, but fourth, the three wing is going to be called the aristocrat. And they're going to be more extroverted, more upbeat, ambitious, emotionally volatile, and concerned with their image. They're going to be like more flamboyant, right? Mm-hmm. The four with a five wing is going to be called the bohemian. I just think these descriptions of the four are so cool. <laughs> I haven't um, heard so that one before. And I bet they really yeah. like it too. They're, I bet the fours really like it. I'm sure they do. <laughs> My mom's they're, a four or five, but I've never heard that title. <laughs> I'm going to tell her, mom, you're a bohemian. She'll be like, yes. yes. It sounds very chic yes. and very cool. <laughs> they're going to be a little bit more introverted, possibly. They're going to be more intellectual. Maybe a little bit more withdrawn, reserved, um, more observant, and have like a lot of intellectual depth. They may tend to be to have like more periods of depression throughout their life. Um, and that's just kind of like something that might set them apart. When fours are healthy, they're going to actually take on the healthy side of a type one. And where like envious, emotionally turbulent fours can become really objective and principled and more disciplined and grounded. Mm-hmm. They can kind of get out from their like head and like ah, up to like, okay, let's get stuff done. And when they're under stress, they're actually going to move to the unhealthy characteristics of a type two. And they can suddenly become very over-involved in clinging. Um, They're going to try to manipulate others potentially into loving them um, and believe that like this relationship or this, you know, love that they have for this person will replace their own needs for love and relationship so interesting story when I was when I got married or when I got engaged my mom I wasn't living near her and she came to visit shortly after with a binder she had a binder with like tabs and like I mean she is the most organized human being I know when it comes to like task oriented stuff like she leans hard into that one wing i mean that one's like integration and i was just like when you started describing that i went "Mm -hmm. yep that Mm -hmm. sounds about right (laughs) oh you little four uh their (laughs) unconscious childhood message is that it's not okay to be too functional or too happy um and their growth path is to really realize that they are not flawed and to know and believe that they were created perfectly unique with beautiful qualities that the world needs and that they need to share with other people when you're working with a four some things that might want to take into account is give them plenty of compliments they really mean a great deal to fours i mean everyone loves compliments but some other numbers really need them more than others be supportive of them by helping them to love themselves and see their significant value respect their unique abilities um, and having that intuition and vision that not a lot of people have fours are very intuitive and they are very like vision oriented long-term like 
the over like the big picture um and see that in them and speak that into them um and also know that like when they're melancholy quote unquote they might not want you to cheer them up like it's okay they're not seeing it as something that needs to be fixed all the time they're seeing it as like i'm just this is i this is what i'm doing this is where i'm at right now and so understand that you don't have to always be their cheerleader in terms of like cheering them up um and then please please do not tell fours that they're being too sensitive or overreacting that's a bad idea it's a bad idea okay (laughs) just keep it in if you think that okay and as suspected we have run out of time so you guys are going to catch numbers five through nine in the coming weeks we hope you guys have enjoyed it so far this has been so much fun for us but i'm especially excited for what's coming because mine and jess's husbands are fives like we just have a lot to say about fives and that's what's coming next but we hope you guys are liking this series thus far and i just want to know are you one of these numbers do you feel seen or do you feel like we have esp yet (laughs) i get i told that a lot about people that are just getting into the enneagram i'll say something about their number and they'll just be like how did you know that i'm like well i didn't really like know that it was just something i've learned from the enneagram so i hope you guys have learned a lot from this and that you are finding good little knowledge nuggets that you can carry throughout your life and we've definitely found it helpful for us so uh, keep listening so you can hear how to connect with Jess and where you can find her and all that good stuff will you tell everybody how they can find you what's the best way to work with you with Enneagram coaching and what Enneagram coaching looks like with you yeah absolutely so you can find me at my new website holla at holla www.jessgertner.com. I'm going to spell out Gertner because my maiden name used to be Johnson and it was like the, I never had oh. to spell my last name, but Gertner is G-A-E-R-T-N-E-R. And really that's where like my blog is, Enneagram coaching, like all the stuff that I do with, you know, health and wellness and everything there. You can find me at jess.holdthespace on Instagram. I'm super active there. Um, So those two places are my homes. And with the Enneagram coaching, so this is like something new I launched in 2020. I took my first coaching clients um, going into the new year. And it's been so fun and so wonderful. But I know it's like it's just like a dream come true. I love it so much. And but basically you can work with me a couple different ways. You can do um, one on one and I do single sessions where it's like you want to dive into a particular aspect of the Enneagram. Are you having trouble finding your number? Again, I'm not going to type you, but I'm going to ask you a lot of questions to help you type yourself. Um, so there's single sessions and then we do I do a group session or not group a coaching package where it's five one hour sessions and we split those up over, you know, however long we need to. Usually it's no more than one session a week because a lot of it it's like work, right? It's almost yeah. it's like mm-hmm. self work. And so I'm trial and, trial error. and error, but we're like I'm everyone is so different. What everyone needs is so different. And the paths we take are so different. And asking a lot of questions is going to direct like where we're going with the sessions. And so like, for instance, we, I do a lot of business coaching in those five package sessions, um, relational coaching, like it's very varied. So we're diving into the Enneagram, we're diving into your number specifically, and then we're actually putting into practice um, all the things of how to use that information to grow 
in whatever it is that you're looking to, to do that in. Um, and then I also do like group coaching, either virtual, so I can come on and you can hire me to do like a, a team building exercise or something, or I also do on-site group coaching. So I've done a couple with like local businesses where we just go in and talk about the Enneagram, learn about each other and how to function as a team using this information. So that's, that's the Enneagram stuff that I offer in a nutshell. Thanks for joining us today on this episode of Rebel Heart Radio. You can visit our website to submit a question at www.rebelheartradio.com. Or you can hop on our Instagram. You can ask us anything. We love to get to know you guys. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a review on iTunes. And we'll catch you guys on the next episode.